Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be talking about episode 11 of this series of Doctor Who, World Enough and Time. And it does appear that everyone else there has got a lot to talk about with regards to this particular episode as well. Um, now, obviously, actually, before moving on any further, we do actually have another little a little mini-review to drop in in the middle of everything here this evening as well, where I, I talk about the latest in the uh, Doctor's DVD range, the Pat Troughton years. So that's sort of coming up shortly as well. Um but first, there isn't really any news to discuss as, at all, is there, really? There's absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very, yeah. very, very poor on that front. Um, so what, we're, um, what we sort of noticed when we asked for the, uh, the feedback, what everyone thought on this week's episode, um, was the fact that there was um, a lot of talk and um, sort of discussion about you know, what actually makes up a spoiler. What was ruined for people? Because everyone was saying that the the BBC or Moffat or whoever had ruined um, this particular episode by announcing that John Sim was back as the master and also announcing that the, the Mondasian Cybermen were back as well. So we thought we'd just have a brief discussion about that, really. Um, and I suppose you can really sort of... I don't know if we could start off with the release of the Mondasian Cybermen. That was the first official picture wasn't it released before we even had John Sim announced? Yes. It was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, that, that came out quite a while ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, would um, you... Spoiler, or was I that... I don't know. I... Yeah, or, or just generating interest for the show? I think it's just generating interest. I mean, the, the problem is, they're nowhere watch it. They're, trailers and spoilers are not aimed necessarily at the people that are going to watch it. No. No, exactly. Sadly, and they're aimed at the people that uh, might watch it if they see something that interests them in a trailer. Yeah, it's so it's, it's a tricky one because the Mondasian Cybermen are only really going to interest old fans. New fans don't ever don't care what they are. Don't have you know, or the yeah. casual viewer, I should say, um, probably have any clue what the Mondasian Cybermen look like. It, it, it peaked. That that was that was pandering to the long-term fans, that one. And in particular, pandering to Capaldi, wasn't it, really? Because it's one of his favourites. Yeah. But um, to the ca- um, casual I mean, viewer, though... There may, there may be a case. There may be a case that before showing trailers on, on the BBC, they should t- give you the older uh, football scores warning and, you know, to look away now if you don't want to be spoiled later. Yes. Yes, there was that. <laughs> um, and just say that. I mean, I don't know. There's The problem is people will repost stuff mm. and other people that repost stuff and talk about stuff as much a case of spoiling stuff as the bbc well exactly i mean you know we we i mean we try and stay away from spoilers and we, and we we didn't even talk about john sim did we for for quite some time um no for, for we did of... talk about the modestia we Dexian did. Cybermen, we did, yeah. Um, well, basically, because that was plastered so, everywhere, yeah. wasn't it? Um, well, I, I wouldn't say we're yeah. guilty if it's if it's. I suppose you can say if it's released through an official channel. In this case, it was the BBC. It can't be construed as a spoiler. Spoilers are stuff you pick up. Well, on, well no, spoilers you pick up on, on forums, don't you? Where people, I've got a little bit of insider knowledge. It's not meant to be released to the public, and it's guess what I've heard. It's it's. That sort of thing. That's a, that. That's what I see as a spoiler. Um, if I think if the BBC have released it officially, 
that's 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 promotional material. It's not really a spoiler anymore, is it? Well, yeah, but then then are we saying that that wasn't a spoiler then? Well, and it, that people are saying that that was that's that was a spoiler or wrong. <laughs> well, no, it's it's horses for courses, isn't it? But I think I I personally feel if it's released through an official channel, then it's not a spoiler. Now, the, I think the only thing with the Boosie did shoot themselves in the foot was John Soon's return as the master. Yeah. They they really did with that one. I mean, what, what did they think was going to happen when you've got the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the gathered press of the UK in there, all looking for um, some sort of brief snippet on what's happening in Doctor Who, and they show John Sim in the series trailer and expect everyone to keep quiet. Yeah. It, was a, it was a bit naive, that one, wasn't it? And then they showed it anyway at the end of the first episode. So, you know, there there was a question of did they need to do that? I don't think they did. And they didn't even need to show it. I mean, unfortunately, by that time, it was out there. And, you know, after the pilot had aired, there seemed little point in holding it back at that point. Was, yeah. You know, it, you know, the cat was out of the bag, thanks to the sun. So, um yeah, it's it's a, that that was. I just thought the, the but it, it suggests they was always planning to show it because the where, where that came from was that next that season trailer bit, which was at the end of the preview of the pilot, which yeah. you think they just showed anyway, and they was going to show. So you could say that the sun broke it, but only by about the space of about a week, I think. Um, no, it was because no, we held off for quite some time discussing that one. I think, um, mm. yeah, but I, I think the first time we, we mentioned it anyway was after that particular trailer was aired after the pilot had, had gone out. Uh, but I mean, I mean, you could you could you could argue on this is should they be showing next time trailers because that comes under the same sort of thing. It does. You're absolutely right. It does. Um, and I think from um, but I, I can understand. Why you do it? Because you're you're generating interest. You want people to come back and watch it. So you, you're giving people a, yeah. a a taste of what's to come. But that's what it should be, though a taste of what's to come. But on the other hand, I can understand them. What I think it was I can't remember who said this now on, on some of the feedback we had that you know showing John Sim as the master was almost some sort of way of enticing back the fans of the David Tennant era. Who sort of stopped yeah. watching the show? So I, I can. I think it. I think it, I think it was Martin, wasn't it? I think you're right. It was Martin. Bad yeah, Wolf. from Bad Wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I can understand that as a way of of getting viewers back in for this series again. Whether that's worked or not, I, I, that's open to open to question. Well, we don't know. I mean, uh, there, there's a question as to if they didn't do it. And then the figures had been so bad, people would have said, "Well, they did nothing to promote it." Yeah, I do think the BBC's caught in a rock and a hard place, and it's one of those things that you're just not going to please everybody, really, are you? No. And some people are quite accepting of of spoilers; they don't really care. Um, other people don't want any, anything spot for them at all. I know, and I do know people who won't even watch the next time trailer. But at least you've got the option to yeah. do that now, haven't you? You don't have to. You can sort of, when it says next time, you can switch yeah. off, you know, or turn over or whatever you want to do. So, yeah, I, it's again, I think it's, I know people are blaming the BBC, people are blaming Moffat. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's a, mat, a matter of blame, really. 
What do you think? I don't there, think there's, it, there's two sides to it. I can, I can understand why they do it. Yeah. And a lot of the time, they have to, just from a point of view of, it will become public knowledge. So, you know, they, they feel they can control the release of the information mm. under their own banner. Um, Could it I think it's just the world of the world now. I think it is. I think it is. You, um, we we live we live in a in an age where most information is easily accessible, whether you want to or not. <laughs> it's just there, isn't it? And you, you've just got to live with it. Yeah, yeah it and you've just, just got to live with it, right? Yeah, it just appears on your timeline and of of your Facebook or Twitter or whatever whatever medium you're using. Um, that's yeah. it. You you choose to read further or you don't. Really, I think. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think you know. Um, if if you're going to read the whole thing and then complain about it, well, I don't really think you've got much of an argument because you had the choice not to. No, you know, obviously, obviously, it all depends on what what the headline is. If it if it says John Sim returns to the Master in Series Ten, I mean, it's not much, there's not much else you can do with that, really. Um, yeah, but if it's no. sort of, you know, if, if it sort of like says you know, um, huge spoilers for Series Ten doesn't actually say what it is you don't have to read any further but if you choose to yeah. then well, then complain about it then well i don't think you've really got much of an argument um, i mean neither, neither of these two incidents either a the mundesian cybermen or john sims master were particularly ones that you could avoid i think such were the way they yeah. came out yeah um i seem to recall Reading somewhere that someone said about the Mondasian Cybermen, yeah, it's all very pretty and and all very nice. To probably see them in one scene, they won't have any real bearing on the story, and that that will be it. It'll be normal because we have got the normal looking Cybermen in, in coming up as well. Um, and I oh, think no, spoiled, no, I spoil for everyone. Um, yeah, but I, you know, as it turns out, it hasn't proved to be the case. I think people sort of looked at that little promo shot of Capaldi and the. And the one Dassin Simon and thought, oh, that's just a nice little little thing to please Peter Capaldi. He, yeah. wa- he wanted them back. No great bearing on the plot, and and that's it. Um, It'd be so, like you know. the so special weapons. Yeah, the special weapons Dalek. Yeah, special weapons Dalek. You know, it just there. It was there. It went. It disappeared. Goodbye. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Never, never to be seen again. So, well, apart from some yeah. of the Daleks, obviously, and um, the. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Last but yeah, yeah but but when they, it was just there in the background. They sort of used it? it in Asylum of the Daleks. That that was that was the big thing before that, wasn't it? it was oh look, and there's going to be. So they used it in a trailer as well, didn't they? Yeah. But not only that, so, it, was, it was all the, like it, was, it was all the different kind of Daleks. You know, they made a big thing about you know getting yeah. RTD's own Dalek in there, and it didn't really bear it on anything really at all. Really, it was it was just sort of like you got the your normal Daleks, and oh. that was it. So. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was sort of worth sort of just briefly sort of discussing because it, it's certain, you know, it has opened up a bit of a, a can of worms that annoyed people. Um, but I, I think the BBC, as I think you said earlier, the BBC were damned if they didn't, damned if they didn't. Yeah, and yeah, that, that, that they've got to, they've got to get an audience. Yeah, um, whether we like it or not, the BBC are still in a ratings battle and yes. just to justify themselves. Yes, they are. Um, and if Doctor Who doesn't get the audiences, eventually it will go again. It will do. I think people need to understand that. Um, 
I know even a lot of fans are saying, well, maybe it should be rested. It's getting a bit, a bit tired. Well, I, I would, I would argue the case on that. I, I think this series alone has proved that Doctor Who is not tired. Um, and you know, there's been a couple of bumpy moments along the way, but what series do you ever watch where every single episode has been excellent? Yeah. You know, I, I defy anyone to come up with that. So, um, yeah, to, to my mind, it's been a good solid series so far. Um, We'll f- obviously, we'll find out what what, what we thought of this uh, particular episode later on. But um, yeah, I think it's been outstanding. I think it's, it's a good case for the fact that Doctor Who isn't quite ready for a rest yet. It, no. re- it really isn't. It really isn't. So, um, so yeah, I don't I don't think we we want to sort of dwell on this bit too long, do we? This I think no. we just we just wanted to sort of briefly briefly chat about it. Um, more or less, really, but in the absence of any real news. <laughs> Because it's rather, yeah. rather rough. Come on, come on, the BBC leak something. Come on, please. come on, please give us something to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have a new doctor to talk about because I think I, I tweeted, you know, if if the um, I, I was of firm belief that the doctor or the next doctor was going to be revealed in uh, the world enough and time, and if it didn't, I would eat my hat. So um, I had that sauteed on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Very tasty. <wasn't> it? <laughs> Oh, crikey. Now, before um, we move on to uh, the stats, because I know you're all looking forward to it, but we'll just give you a, a few more minutes just to, to savour the moment, because um, it's time to talk about something else. So, um, over to me. And thank you, me. Right, OK, now I'm going to be reviewing the latest in the Doctor's DVD series from Kosh Media, The Pat Troughton Years. Following on from the release of the John Pertwee Years DVD, it seemed only natural to follow this up with a DVD devoted to the mighty Patrick Troughton, the man widely known as the Doctor's Doctor, an actor often used as a reference point on how to play the character. So what better then, than to get together the actors who starred opposite the great man in a series of new interviews? Well, this isn't strictly the case with this DVD. While it does feature interviews with all of the actors that play Patrick Troughton's companions, these interviews were not conducted specifically for this DVD release. All of the interviews included on this DVD have been cultivated from the archives of the Mythmakers series from Real Time Pictures, which began in 1984. The series of interviews recorded were conducted by actor, writer and director Nicholas Voice of the Daleks Briggs and produced by Keith Barnfather, also the founder of Real Time Pictures and they featured conversations with the actors, writers, producers and directors who worked on the now-termed classic era of Doctor Who. So collected here are the interviews conducted with Annika Wills, Michael Craze, Fraser Hines, Deborah Watling and Wendy Pabry. And I suppose you could describe them as a, a box set of memories and stories dedicated to Patrick Troughton and his era of Doctor Who. Also included and also first seen in the Mythmaker series is home video footage of Patrick Troughton being interviewed at the Panopticon convention in 1985. Also included is a short introduction with Nicholas Briggs and Keith Barnfather, who give a brief rundown on each of the interviews conducted and also hint at stories that they dare not tell. Damn. Now some of you out there may think, what is the point of this DVD? It's just footage and interviews that some of you have already seen before. Well, you would be right. That's if you've already purchased these interviews as part of the Mythmaker series. So this DVD might, may not necessarily be for you, unless you're wanting to replace your ageing VHS tapes. Although, to let you into a little secret, they have actually been re-released as DVDs, if you missed it the first time. 
But if you are like me and were never aware of the Mythmakers series back in the day and have never seen these interviews before, or perhaps you're just dipping your toes in the world of classic era Doctor Who behind the scenes features for the first time, then I think this DVD is essential viewing. But not only do you get the lowdown of what it was like to work with Troughton and on the show in the 1960s, but also how they got into acting in the first place, and also what their life and career was like after that they had left Doctor Who. In fact, it convinces me even more you know, than ever really, that the actor's life, while full of great memories and good times, each interview also highlights how tough and unpredictable the actor's life can be, and in Annika Will's case, a determination to eventually leave the acting life behind. The person conducting all the interviews, the aforementioned Nicholas Briggs, does a good job coaxing memories and stories out of each actor, especially when for some of them, Doctor Who was just another job. And even though the interviews were recorded during the 1980s and 1990s, the memories were already starting to fade. So it takes a tenacious interviewer with a good knowledge of Doctor Who to keep the flow of conversation going in a relaxed and easygoing manner. Nicholas Briggs allows his subjects to talk freely, and whenever the line of question results in a conversational cul-de-sac, as it were, he quickly moves on with another question to keep things moving. In fact, at times, it's almost as if you're listening on someone's conversation, which I think makes for an even more interesting interview. The only drawback, and it's a personal drawback to these interviews, is that none of them are illustrated with any footage of the Doctor or Doctor Who itself. I can only put this down to rights issues, and such is the case with stories from the Patrick Troughton era, the stories have been wiped by the BBC in the Great Purge of the 1970s, and also due to the time when these interviews were recorded, any recently discovered lost stories were then still lost. However, this minor criticism is mainly down to my modern viewing tastes, as the majority of modern interviews will invariably contain footage of the subject in hand. So really, these interviews are very much a product of their time, made on a shoestring budget, filmed on videotape, but absolutely fascinating and well-researched all the same. As I mentioned earlier, these interviews were recorded during the 1980s and 1990s. So the one thing that stood out for me is that each interview included on this DVD, it's like that it's their own time capsule, capturing the fashions and hairstyles of those decades. Some of those fashions and hairstyles I gladly consigned to the dustbin of my mind, and I'm left wondering that when Nicholas Briggs was re-watching these interviews for the DVD, did he look back wistfully to happier times to when he had a fuller head of hair? A bit like me, really, thinking back tearfully to when I had a thick, luxurious red mane. Now, the DVD itself may be short on extras. The introduction with Nicholas Briggs and Keith Barnfather is actually classed as a special feature but the DVD content lasts for a whopping five and a half hours over two discs. And the price? Well, this is where some of you may start kicking yourselves if you've already bought these interviews separately under the Mythmakers banner, because the price of this two-disc DVD set is £9.99. Yep, you heard that right. £9.99 for over five hours worth of content. Now that is extremely good value for money. So if you're a fan of Doctor Who and have an interest in what went on behind the scenes of your favourite television programme, I highly, highly recommend this DVD. The Patrick Troughton years set the template for Doctor Who in the future, and to my mind, made the show what it is today. And now, back to me. And 
thank you me. Okay, so um, a little bit out of the ordinary doing a DVD review in the middle of everything. So um, yes, so anyway, but thanks to um, this one. I don't know if it's, it's the form or not because the first time we've actually been sent a DVD to review um, from from a PR company. So thank you to um, to Witchfinder PR for sending us the DVD to review. Um, very much appreciated and. Um, um, I hope I hope the review was 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 what warranted you sending us that uh, that DVD. Anyway, um, oh, and that was a word from our sponsor. It was indeed, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, should we do stats then? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go to Omega Stats Corner. Okay, everybody. So the overnight viewing figures are in, and what that from time got an overall audience figure of 3.37 million viewers which is a 22% share of the total TV audience for that um, for that evening um, again it was another day where the ratings suffered um, across the board um, it wasn't a bad day's weather on Saturday was it we were in the pub ourselves weren't we we weren't even at home watching it I was going to say shame on you people who didn't stay at home and watch it <laughs> <laughs> um, no. yeah. Um, yeah I mean even the um, the highest rating uh, highest rated show on the BBC was only got four million. That was that was casualty. Um, pitch battle, which the which uh, Doctor Who made way for in the schedules, got just below two million. So that hasn't fared much better this week either. Um, and even the children's no. version of The Voice only got three point eighty million viewers. So it's uh, down across the board. And um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised. It's, it's been like fairly consistent with those sort of figures, really, hasn't it? It's, we've had pretty good weather in the yeah. UK for the past few weeks, and um, I think people are making the most of it before it disappears again. So, but, I mean, yeah, the only the good thing is that it's been sort of in line with everything else that's gone out in the evenings, hasn't it? So yeah, exactly. It's not. A, it's not just a case that it's bombing and everything else is doing well. No, no, exactly. Exactly. So, um, but anyway, the AI for World Enough and Time had a score of 85, which has been up on recent weeks. Um, and 85 is the highest uh, since the Series 8 episode Dark Water. And it's also the joint highest of the mm. Capaldi um, era to date, anyway. So, um, and it's the highest score achieved by the two main channels on Saturday. How about that? It actually beat Casualty for once. Uh, well, no, I think it equaled Casualty. Oh, oh, you're right. That's a joint high score. I missed the word joint out there. Um, actually, and the the voice kids also got eighty five. Voice well. kids, yeah, yes. There we go. There we go. Well, that's good. It sort of puts it a bit more into perspective. It does actually, doesn't it? Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Okay, now the uh, official ratings for the Eaters of Light is in, and it came twenty sixth overall um, during the week. And if I can peek over the top of my. Um, Microphone here. It had a consolidated um, viewing audience of four point seven three million, so which isn't which isn't bad considering that it's in a chart dominated by um, Coronation Street in EastEnders and Emmerdale, really. Um, yeah, and the um, the Antiques Roadshow it's, beat it again. It got beat by the Antiques Roadshow, but it did beat Country yeah. Farm. <laughs> probably the yes. Yes, I suppose there we go. That's the and casualty. So yeah, yeah. Now the, the number seven was a film, Fearless. What the hell was that? And I'm, I, you don't see many films cracking the top ten. No, that just obviously was a a quiet day. Obviously, I don't even know what Fearless is. It was an ITV, wherever it was. Um, 
I can't remember what that what that was. I can't remember if it was heavily troweled or what. I've got no idea. Was it more like a made no for idea. made for TV film or something? God knows. Huh, I, don't, I have yeah. no idea. No idea. No idea. So, uh, well, we'll see. Um, hopefully, I mean, what what do you reckon the um, the official ratings are going to be for World Enough and Time? Because this has such good word of mouth um, after the episode went out. Um, I'm I'm expecting it to be higher than this, than than uh, Eaters of Light. Yeah, well, the Eaters of Light started very low as well, didn't it? it anyway, did. so it has yeah. uh, caught up a bit on that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah. It'd be over five million, won't it? It should be. It's got to be in it, surely, surely. But we'll see, we'll see. So, um, yeah. Well, hopefully by the time we record cause next week, cause we're recording slightly later next. We're recording on Tuesday next week, aren't we? So the the they, certainly those audience figures should be in by then. So that'll be the uh, last time we talk about stats for a while, anyway. So, <laughs> so there's obviously a typo in these li- this list. All oh, right, okay. Because looking at Emmerdale's figures, the number fifteenth place. Oh yeah. It said it come fifteenth with two point six million. Oh, which nestled in between something at five point nine one and five point nine seven. Yes, <laughs> seven. Yeah. Yes, I, think so I don't even it. know how how they they've got those. Doctor Who. Could... It says not just even like. No, no. Well, I was gonna say Doctor Who could be number one for all we know. Yeah, it's just made up, aren't they? These stuff. It is, isn't it? It just makes you believe they are. I don't even know what we're bother talking about. Random it. figures into a generator. <laughs> Why do we even bother talking about it? <laughs> it's utterly meaningless, isn't it? Okay, it just pads out the episode. That's all. We're, that's all we're doing, folks. Yeah, we're just padding out yeah. time. Okay, everybody. So um, that's it for this little section, and that's it for um, sort of stats. I'm not going to say news. It wasn't news actually. So um, coming up next is our review of World Enough and Time. So for another week, then I'm going to say that was the stats. Okay, everybody, we're going to talk about World Enough and Time. Promise you won't get me killed. Wait for me. (gasps) Doctor. Because of the black hole, one end of the ship, time, is moving faster. What are you doing to them? Curing them. Step away from those doors, you'll bring them back. This was a good place once, but this ship is old. Everything is dying. We must evolve to survive. And such is the way we kick these things off. Let's start with everyone's feedback. And um, as I said, we, we had quite a bit of um, feedback. A lot of what we can discuss, because a lot of it was talking about all the, the spoiler angles and stuff. But uh, let's go through the feedback about the episode itself. So first up, one bit of Twitter feedback from Alexander King. Um, Alexander says, The word pain has never been so chilling as it was in World Enough and Time. Well, I can't disagree with that. Uh, Facebook feedback now. Martin Havel from Bad Wolf Podcast. Hi, Martin. Um, he says, absolutely awesome. Best Moffat script in nearly a decade. Now, knowing Martin, that's high praise indeed. So, <laughs> cheers, Martin. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, Jeff Waddle. <laughs> or, he's ta- or he's taking it from a low run. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jeff actually submitted two bits of feedback, one after the other. Um, so, read them in order it come out. Jeff says, um, it's bizarre. There were generally very few surprises, and yet somehow they made it one of the most gripping, creeping, entertaining episodes in all of Hoodham. 
Uh, he goes on and says, best single episode since it came back. The trailer worries me, though. Ah, well, finally, finally, we get the Cybermen and body horror, which is what they should have been all along. I find it strange, though, that the other episodes were moved to, to later for being adult, and there are bits in this at quarter to seven that were absolutely terrifying, genuinely the stuff of nightmares. Um, I think someone got into discussion with Jeff on, on that. I think it might have been J.R. South, um, Southall from um, the Blue Box podcast. Um, I don't think, I think he said they weren't actually moved for being adult, they were just moved around to Mutt Bay for Strictly. Yeah. I, th- I think that that was the um, that was the main reason, which I, I seem to recall that that was the reason, actually. But anyway, thanks for thanks for writing in, Jeff. Um, next, we have Kieran Hyman. Shortened to the point, Kieran says the best, the best. Okay, in, in Thomas McLean has again shortened sweet, but has a different take on it. It says shame we knew all the twists. Okay, Steve Powell says utterly superb. I'm a very happy fanboy. Um, next up, Paul Heath from some podcast called The Pharos Project. You ever heard of him, Paul? A distant past, I think, aren't Yeah, they? yeah, as I seem to recall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Paul says, somebody should really enrol the master in an amateur dramatic society. As evidenced by this episode, his Fagin would be the toast of Market Harbour. Um, yes, I can. Actually, <laughs> can I just can I say, 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 say my, yeah. Same, just my, my kind of distant past. It doesn't stop me keep pressing refresh every time I open iTunes for their podcast. Though, just <laughs> they, Paul, they are back, didn't you know? No, 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 no. Yeah, not for about four episodes behind that. Aren't <laughs> Come on, lads, pull your finger out is what we're saying. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, John, John Michael Lindsay, um, quite a long bit of feedback this one. So here we go. Quite simply, Wow. This has to be the best story of Peter's tenure and perhaps one of the best since the revival. Everything about this story was on top form. Stephen's writing, Rachel Talalay's direction, the stunning camera work right from the opening scenes of the ship, the performances from all the cast were superb. It feels like someone said, right, this is Michelle's, Peter's and Stephen's leaving do. Can we all put on something spectacular, please? The story even has time to deliver a moral message. Another mention has to go to the soundscape. Allowing itself to be to be quiet for the exposition, but build into a beautifully dramatic crescendo when the time is right. Along with the odd nod to the classic when Nardo jumps in the operating theatre, you hear the old Earth Shock-esque Cyberman clanking sound. This is the first time I've ever watched an episode again immediately after first watch, but the wit is razor sharp, it's easy to miss bits. The core character interaction has never been stronger, and then you then when you hear that Mondasian cyber voice that sends a shiver down, down the spine. Millennium Effects have done a magnificent job bringing them back. John Sims sporting the classic Master Goatee in his return just caps it all off. And with the exception of the 50th, I don't think I've ever been this excited about seeing what happens next. Thank you very, very much, John Michael. Very eloquently put. Um, Gareth Lloyd. Again, short, short, short and to the point. Um, doesn't particularly like this episode. He says, a disappointing build-up for a cliffhanger we've already seen in the trailers. Can't wait for Moffat to finish. Um, I would disagree with that. I think we talked when we talked about the whole spoiler thing. Anyway, um, as we said, BBC would down if they did, down if they didn't. With that, they've got to build up yeah. um, some some excitement for the series. So um, there you go. Um, lastly, we have Becky Barnum. Hi, Becky. Um, Becky's written to the show before. It's been a long time you've written to us, Becky. So welcome back. Um, Becky says, "I thought this episode was one of the most frightening Doctor Who episodes ever." 
The directing, music and production did a great job leading up to the reveal of the Cybermen. However, because we were all spoiled by the BBC weeks ago, it was more of a matter of waiting for when the reveal would happen and not wonder what the reveal would be. Still, it was good to get a real Cyberman story for once. Okay, thanks very much, Becky. And thanks, everybody, to, for writing in. Please keep writing in. Um, obviously, we've got one more episode to go, the series finale. So, you know, please, please, please um, keep writing. And we, we do love reading um, reading out your feedback on the podcast and also reading some of the discussions that, that goes on in, in, in our um, podcast group as well. Anyway, now it's on to what we thought um, of World Enough and Time. And uh, it's my turn to kick things off, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is, it is. Okay, right. Now, um, I couldn't wait to watch this. Uh, as soon as I got home from the pub on Saturday night, this was on. <laughs> yes, I couldn't wait to watch this as soon as I got home from the pub. <laughs> it was. I couldn't wait to watch it because um, it was quite late. This wasn't. I, I, I cancelled everything and stayed home to watch it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> as soon as I got home from the pub. No, well, I couldn't wait. I, I couldn't wait till Sunday morning. I couldn't. I had to watch it as soon as I got home. Um could could you did you wait to the next day or did you watch it Saturday night as well? Uh, no, I watched it Saturday night. To be Saturday honest. as well. <laughs> um, uh, hoist boy your own petard uh, there. Uh, <laughs> well, as much because basically knew that I couldn't look at anything else until <laughs> that's the I'd point. It, that was I must admit was, <laughs> because yeah, yeah. In case anything really had exciting, you know, that we didn't know had happened. Yeah, I must admit so, that that was some of my reasoning by watching it Saturday night as well because I thought I can't I can't go on social media <laughs> until I watched it. So um, exactly. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, anyway, all I'm going to say, I think, just to sort of kick things off, I was utterly blown away by this episode. I really was. Um, yeah. I agree with everyone said it was it was a proper horror story. You know, proper body horror story for the for the Cybermen, which the Cybermen are is body horror, um, especially the yeah. uh, the earlier Cybermen. Certainly, um, I loved it. I, mean, I absolutely I, I adored it. I, I think it's it's what the Cybermen are rather than what they can do mm. that is the the the, hor- the fear in them, isn't it? Yeah, it's the fact that you're not careful. That's how you'll end up. Yeah. Not that they're killed, but they're actually turn you into them. Yeah, precisely. And you won't have any choice in the matter. And and that's what no. I... And that is what has sadly been missing for a good number of years now. Even when they resurrected them in the Age of Steel two-parter. Um, I know they sort of come up with a, a similar sort of um, sort of origin story. It was, it was all for the, you know, the sort of upgrading the human race, but... Originally with the Cybermen, there was a reason why they were upgrading, why they were replacing the body parts, because as a race, they were dying out. And it was, yeah. and, and as the, it was it Mr. Razor says um, in this, it, you know, um, evolution couldn't keep up. So they, yeah. so, so they had to do this to keep alive. So, um, which I thought was a great way of, of summing it up, really. Evolution couldn't keep up with, with, their, with their race dying out, so that they had to take matters into their own hands. Which I think just best sums it up. Yeah. To be honest, it, you know, it really does. Whether you want to be saved or not, I think I think that's the yeah. you, you just heard it off, and 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 there you go. Um, but shall we start with the with the opening? By the time you realise what they're going to do, yeah, it's too it's late. Too late yeah. Exactly. Um, yes. But should, should we sort of mention the opening first, um, which apparently was only recorded mm. a couple of weeks ago? Hence, hence the length of uh, Capaldi's hair, which is now absolutely huge. <laughs> 
That is some huge hair he's got going on there. Um, yeah, re- that's probably the only sort of the only sort of I'd say misstep. We know the Doctor's regenerating. Do we need to see it to open yeah. the open? Because it didn't have a bearing on much, did it? On the, on the actual story. I, I, it really just all all of that struck me. All that said to me was he really wanted to do the tenth planet scene. Yeah. He wanted a set of regeneration on snow. And it looks like that's what's going to... Or, or at least in a, yeah, in, a, in a snow environment, ice environment. And the minute you saw that, you knew sort of knew what was coming as well, didn't you? It was the, oh, yeah, yeah. The ice and that. And... Well, I'm beginning to wonder how they're going to tie this into the Tenth Planet. Because obviously the first Doctor knows what's going to happen to Mondas, if you can remember back to, uh, back to that story. Yeah. So I wonder if there's going to be any sort of... Um, sort of message being sent to his past self to let him know that don't worry about it. You don't have to, you don't actually have to do anything here. We've taken care of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, my, my thoughts on this is just basically this is actually can be very standalone to any of the Origin, other origin of the Cybermen stories. Um, well, because it's got the get out that. All right, fair enough. They're 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 from Mondas, but are they are they converting themselves to Cybermen? Is that the Master's influence pushing them that direction because he knows what they become? Otherwise, anyway. Well, it could be that. That's I must admit that's how I'm seeing this as well. That the Master's pushing them. Um, and yeah. I just, so it makes no this this makes no odds as to anything else. Whether you take spare parts in Big Finish or well, the yeah. Planet I was, in I the was, original series. I was going to say um, about spare parts because I know there's this argument about is Big Finish canon, and I think it is. It is canon because they they sort of slotted in stories that sort of you know surround the TV stories. So I, I'd say yeah. yes, it is canon. Um, and regards to spare parts, which I think cannot be surpassed as an audio story at all. That is my okay. There's no. a, there's a lot of big finish I haven't listened to yet, but um, I think spare parts is it's just utterly superb. Um, and I think people are sort of like saying, "Well, is this going to ruin spare parts? Is it going to be like an alternate um, alternate history?" Not necessarily, because this is at the moment this story isn't actually set on Mondas. No, it's on a spaceship no, that left been, Mondas. You know, that may have left Mondas at a time when everything was fine. Yeah. Oh well, no, maybe not. And the even... failure. Well, and, and well, no, and I'm... the failure of this spaceship coming back may well have been the things that triggered. Well, I'm, I'm the actually, Cybermen. It could be. I'm actually thinking that the cyber conversion stuff has already happened on Mondas, and this escape ship was to get away from that. But the master's gone with mm. them to continue it on. Yeah, I don't know. I know we're all surprised. My, my I, I, think is, is, yeah. I think it's fun guessing. I think it's fun guessing at the moment. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if there's any actual link back to either the Big Finish or or the Tenth Planet stuff. Mm. I, I reckon there will be a link back to Tenth Planet come the end. I think I think there will be. 
We'll see next week. I, well, I, think, was... that's just... <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think that's just that, that is just Moffat playing as much as he. This is this is Moffat's last chance to have a, have a go at everything. Well, I, I... and he's thrown in as much as Maybe. he can into this, hasn't he? Well, you know, he does he does like to sort of close those circles now and again, doesn't he? He's sort of like try and bring some means to story because at the end of the day. If you th- I know we should be talking about World Enough and Time. We're talking about the 10th planet at the moment. Um, but how did the Doctor know what would happen to Mondas? Because back in those times, he wasn't the all-seeing, you know, um, seer that the, that the Doctor's now become. Or, or maybe not so much this series, but certainly sort of during the RTD era, he knew everything that was going to happen. So I'm just beginning yeah. to wonder if... That's what, that's what makes me think it's going to tie into that. How the Doctor knew that Mondas would just disintegrate um well no i mean there there is a a timeline through whether, whether doctor who really takes a lot of interest in its past or not there is i mean we are talking over a future doctor whether whether this is wherever this story is set in terms of mondas or whatever mm. Because I know, I know there's some people then, say, saying that the... You know this rumour... Oh, actually, we haven't really mentioned that rumour about what's happened in the Christmas special. Maybe I should should season desist right. this line of this line of questioning, I yes. should say, actually. Yes. You're not going to talk about any rumours of the Christmas special. You can hear that elsewhere. Mm. I'm not going to talk about it here. Anyway, should we get back to World Enough in Time? <laughs> yes. Yes, let's do it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, moving on fr- from the, the, the opening, um, I thought it was... Um, how to how an episode sort of turns on its head because it's sort of quite um, jokey and quite light-hearted with, yeah. with the whole with Missy and um, and her two disposables um, as she calls Bill and yeah. Nardole. And I yeah. does he call you pets? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so and then eventually, Jesus. yeah. And this is obviously Moffat having a little pull at the. The, the fandom's tail here, isn't it, really? It is a little bit, With yeah. The, I'm Doctor Who. That's my real name, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was going to say, that's probably the one bit I could have done with that is all the Doctor Who bits. That's been done to death already, I think, the whole Doctor Who thing. Mm. But, um, oh, but, 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 but you know he wanted to do it before Oh, the, the, fa- the fan baiting with the fact that, no, that's his real name. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah so, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, as soon as he started doing that, I thought, okay, yeah, this is... I can, I can see where, where, where we're going with this now. So, um, but then as soon as that alarm started, and you got you know, the red red flashing light, and and that was it. It just the whole episode just changed mood like that. And yeah. I suppose you could say that's what real life is like. You know, one 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 minute you're laughing and joking, the next minute you're, you're running for your life. You know, so it's. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I did like the fact that that's how it just sort of turned on its head. Um, and then after that, it was just completely serious from beginning to end. There, there was yeah. there was nothing. And we, we had. Yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, and we had the doctor giving you know he's the the, the oh I'll, I'll you know I'll sort this out and blah 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 speech. It's just been that's cut short by his companion being shot. Which yeah. Is, yeah, exactly. Now I must admit, I want to watch it for a second time on Sunday. Um, I watched it with my kids, and I was going to wonder, should I really let them watch this? Because the thing with the the whole straight through Bill was quite graphic, and as as uh, I think it was Jeff Waddle said, um, for quarter to seven 
on a Saturday night. It was yeah. it was pushing it a bit, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. As I say, kids love to be scared. Um, kids didn't seem that phased by it, to be honest. You know, they they sort of just sort of talk this like, what you know, what's happened to Bill? And I said, she's been she's been shot. Um, it did got them talking. They're just asking questions, you know. So um, it didn't it didn't scare them or make them run behind the behind the sofa or anything like that, you know. Um, but what I loved about that the, from the point that Bill got shot and then it went back in time to the to the doctor convincing her that this is a good thing to sort of you know to trust you know try and trust Missy again, give her a yeah. te- to test her. Um, and you can say, well, I love that sort of like what Bill said, you know, she scares me, she properly scares me. Um, yeah. And and again, is it another instance of the of the, the, the doctor betrayed by his own pubris, really? Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. It, it It's just his hope, really, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we had the, the line last last week, didn't we, about, about hope being the dangerous thing or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, it has been. It has certainly for poor Bill, um, and then after that, it, it just took a a really creepy horror um, turn. This episode in, in the hospital, yeah. which was utterly brilliant, it really was. I mean, the the, the sound design, the, the the photography, it was it was the use of lighting, utterly brilliant. It really was brilliant, and, and I mean, thank God Rachel Talalay was asked to come back. So I can't think of anyone better. To, to have taken this on. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it just just got everything right. Because it's, it's not a quick story. No, it's not. This. It's not. Well, you know, I mean, I mean, in more ways than one, it's not a quick story because you've got two timelines going and a bit of jumping backwards and forwards anyway. Mm. So to, to get keep keep the atmosphere going... Yeah. Is is really good when you, when you if you was just setting it in the hospital and that was your half an hour or whatever mm. you can you can build tension and you can build atmosphere there yeah but because you then kept having to go back to the previous story bits and yeah where he's talking to Bill about what he wanted to do and you've also then got them up in the control room talking as well. To actually just keep that going, but every time you came back to the hospital, you went instantly back to that level of atmosphere again. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I just it was it was so consistent. I can't. The way it was jumping about, it was consistent in its inconsistency. If you see what I mean, mm. because it it was sort of juggling a lot of a lot of different scenarios there with with different levels of tension. And yeah. yeah, I I I thought it was so so well done. I really did think it was so well done. Um, and the thing with the, uh, the the patients in the hospital as well, that was so creepy. Yeah, the fact that you think that she's up their dosage of painkiller or something. Yeah. And no, she just she, she just turns the volume them off. Oh no, she yeah. turns the volume down. Well, how horrible is that? Yeah, they're quite happy to let them sit there and suffer. And this this poor person was just sitting there just pressing the pain button over and over again another one saying yeah. you know kill me um yeah i i just thought that that, that mid transformation thing of the side men it, it, it as well as it should be utterly bloody terrifying 
you know, yeah. and, and none of them were willing patients. And, and, and if you'd turned up another one, it'd have been Mary Whitehouse saying, I'm disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> it was the dirtiest programme I've ever watched. <laughs> Shot straight through, she was. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just utterly, utterly loved it. Um, and then you had Mr. Razor pop up um, in between all this as well. Um did you spot it was John Sim? Um, to be honest, I wasn't really. I was because I wasn't really thinking of it like that. No, at that stage, because I still wasn't sure. I mean, we sort of briefly discussed this last week, which mm. I think may have been after the podcast we finished recording or not. Possibly, but we yeah. didn't wasn't quite sure what John Sim was going to be and whether he was going to just be a flashback or a figment of Mrs. Imagination. Imagination, yeah, yeah. That's right, split, we did. Yeah. A split personality that develops in her. Yeah. That only she can see or whatever. So I wasn't... Although I knew he was cu- going to be in the episode, I wasn't quite sure that he was actually going to be a character. No, no. And I, I do actually like the way they just held it back, really. Yeah. Um, instead of sort of like, you know, in 10 minutes, the master's back in it. You had this other character. You got to know quite well um, and sort of formed a... Bill formed a relationship with him, and cause I don't know how many years had, had passed for Bill down down at the bottom of the spaceship. Yeah, um, which, uh, which was which was even more creepy that he then set out to win the trust of the Doctor's companion. Yeah, knowing full well what he was going to do, lead her to. Yeah, precisely, precisely, and and he was going to do it because he was doing it to upset the Doctor. Yeah. And I, I do like the fact that, um, as we as we, we keep saying before about Missy, a little bit of Missy goes a long way, and we were sort of quite concerned that, you know, what what were we going to get with Missy this episode? Because it did appear she was sort of let off her leash, and we are going to get the the manic flip-flopping thing that um, Michelle Gomez does yeah. so well. Um, but we didn't really get that, did we? No, we just got icy evil, didn't we? Really? Yes, we did. We did. Even though we should, when she was pulling, um, um, pulling Bill Nardole's leg about the whole Doctor Who thing, yeah. she, she was still there was an iciness to it. Yeah, and and so so when she meets the Master, it's it's still going to be your. asked well, how how do you want me to start killing you? Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even when the, when the Master revealed himself. <laughs> Um, it was still. I know we still got next week to go, but it was still a restrained performance from John Sim. He wasn't sort. Of, My mask is now off. I'm going to leap around. Yeah, you know, like a <laughs> like a, you know, sort of like you know, um, sort of just a load of kangaroo juice or something. You know, he was um, again fairly restrained. Yeah, the the give us a kiss line is is rather odd. In that, isn't it? Context, though, it is odd. Yeah, I, I, I sort of looked at that in that context as almost as if that was Missy turning back into the master and saying it to the doctor. Yeah, when I'd seen that in the last trailer last week, but yet himself. To me, that's a bit odd, isn't it? But there you go. It's the master, right. isn't it? So <laughs> yes, yeah, but um, no, I, I, I really did. I really did sort of like the, the, the Mister Razor character, and I just like the fact they held it back for that long. Um, mm. And I think, as, as Becky Barnum said in a, in her feedback, you know, we knew what was coming, but 
Um, we just didn't know what we were waiting for when it was going to happen. Yeah. So, so I think um, I think some people had sort of realised it was John Sim, and that when you watch it a second time, you think, yeah, it is him actually. You, you know, with with the his voice sort of slips a little bit now and again, so you can tell it yeah, is John there's, Sim. There's there's the fact that it is uh, the, the, the over the top performance, which yeah. Uh, well, have you have you seen you know what uh, um, um, Paul from Farrell said about you know doing Fagin? Um, yeah. Have you have you seen the other meme that's that's doing the rounds at the moment? No. No. You see, um, um, uh, what's on the tip of my time? Babylon Five. Sorry. Yeah. Do you remember the, the character Zathras that looks after the Great Machine on the planet below? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're comparing uh, John Sim to Zathras. <laughs> right. So, which I can see that I can see that that's that's a that's a very good, <laughs> very good analogy actually. <laughs> so, yeah, Johnson was definitely channeling Zathras there. Crikey! Mm-hmm. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. You 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 can you remember the character much? Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I mean, moving on to um, Pearl Mackey. I mean, she again. She just continues to amaze. She really yeah. does continue to amaze. Uh, I, if she, if she leaves, if she leaves into this series, I will be gutted. I really will be gutted because anything she's, any scene she's in, she's just does it so much justice. And that bit where she sort of um, finds out that you know she's been betrayed, yeah, by by a friend of all these years, Mister Razor. Um, and it, it was it was a look on her face, it was utter betrayal, and and the fear as well about what's what's going to happen. And it's sort of it, it's sort of like with anger, betrayal, fear. It, it was it was all there, you know. And I, I just think she's brilliant. I really think she's excellent. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. No. No. No disagreement from me on that. Yeah. So I, I just hope she sticks around for a bit longer. I really do. Um, then. Capaldi. Now he didn't really have a lot to do, to be honest, did he? No. This really was Pearl Mackey's episode, to my mind. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. His his was his was just explanation, wasn't it? At the, at the upstairs to to let everyone know exactly what was going on. Oh god! So yeah. that they could just leave the drama going on downstairs mm. to, to 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 happen. Oh god! Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's um, and we still, I mean, you know, Capaldi's Capaldi. You know, he's good. You know, whatever he does. So I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think he, he did. Uh, he sort of really did enough in this episode. To apart from maybe at the, at the beginning, where they sort of went back in time to him trying to convince Nardole and um, and Bill about you know let let, let Missy go on, go on a little mission. Um, but there wasn't a lot in him to do to sort of really give a good sort of critique, really. No, I yeah, his role wasn't wasn't massive until obviously the they get downstairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's what sort of well, you have the you have the one bit of grandstanding when he comes out of the TARDIS at the beginning, which doesn't end well. No, it doesn't. And, and then yeah, obviously, almost a bit of grandstanding at the end, which doesn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, not not a good day for the doctor, really. No, it's not. It's not, is it? Um, so I think moving on to sort of like the, I think the one thing I must mention is is the, is the the sound in this. 
um, which I thought was probably one of the most well done um, audio experiences I've had in Doctor Who for a long, long time. Because there was no sort of music or, or score to really interfere too much, especially in the hospital. It was all sort of sounds what were, what was what was going on and that strange music that seems to be piped through the hospital. Yeah, that sort of like what's that choral thing that was going through going through the air all the time. Um, I thought it was really really effective, and I think it's some of Murray Gold's best work. You know, in a, in a long time, I really do. Yeah, no, the mu- music was there to emphasise rather than carry, wasn't it? It was. It really was, and it was all the better for it. It, it was that kind yeah. of episode. It it needed to be silent. You needed sound to carry it rather than rather than music in this case to sort of to sell what was happening yeah um and i mean you know i I can't fault it i really cannot fault it at all i really cannot um yeah and the lighting as well was great um it it just gave us a whole sense of dread in that hospital set um even in the operating theater which you would expect to be bright it wasn't it was dark and dingy and um the, the last place on earth you you want to be you know you want to be operated on really yeah I, I I just loved it absolutely loved it um and and obviously the slightly redesigned or updated Mondasian Cybermen um which again just looked brilliant now now we've seen it close up on screen uh it, it was great and the fact that little bits were introduced as we went along yes yeah, because I, well, I like about the, I like about the fact you had that full stocking over over the the, the patient's face, yeah. just with the with the the nostril um, holes for the, the the tubes to go through. Mm. And as it went on, you had one of a mouth opening, one of the eyes. One had, one had like a, a partial helmet on. Yeah. Um, and then and the, finally you get the yeah the, the, the actual the handles. handles yeah, which I love the explanation. Yeah. For, for that as well, that was to control the pain. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, that that that. I mean, that just goes to. I think that was probably the most horrible bit as well. The fact that they 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 are in constant pain, and they have to have yeah. that to control it. I thought that it's that, that is quite horrifying. It really is. Um, yeah, because even if you go back to um, Age of Steel and whatever, mm. there it's because they removed their emotions, so they had no pain. Yeah, and it was only the. Doctor putting back the emotions into one of them that yeah set it off berserk sort of thing. But the, I mean, this though is actually some, but this is something that actually put into your head, which I think yeah. is, which is more horrifying than having something emotion chip in your chest unit. So yeah. um, I mean they really did pull out the body horror in this or, or play down yeah. to, to what they could get away with you know at that, that particular um, time slot. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it, I think as someone said, it's everything a, a Southman story should be. And just and just a great idea about the fact that obviously things are moving quickly at one end of the ship and not at the other. And the whole explanation of, as to why this has all happened. Yeah. So quickly. It was, yeah. It, yeah, it was good. I thought I'm beginning to wonder how how the whole black hole thing would would play into it, and um... and I haven't really explained why if they could come up to collect the humans, mm. why do they need to become Cybermen? Well, 
they're partially done, aren't they? They're partially converted. Um, now this actually this brings me on to my one niggle. But but what is what is the reason? Is it is it because they're now not because they've been generations down below? Uh, are they now not strong enough to cope with the gravity at the top end? Well, no. I, that... I, when they keep saying they, they've got to be strong, to, to I think they're waiting for the time yeah. is right to to take over everything. There's still a lot of humans there, isn't there? So they they're gradually um, or Mondasins, I should say. So they're gradually converting but it, but it everybody. But it doesn't explain why the humans haven't didn't come back up again. Well, as you say, the lifts obviously work. Yeah, but they can't leave, can they? They've always conditioned. Remember, Bill couldn't leave the confines of the hospital when she got too far. Her chest unit started to hurt her. Yeah, so, but, if but no, that's what that haven't been converted. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They, they've been converted. But, but why? But why before they started being converted, did they not go back up? Well, I'm obviously assuming it's the, to do with the master. Yeah, he's the one who's who's kept them down there. So I, I yeah, so, some yeah. some reason why they feel they can't. Yeah, well, there's that thing about I think that there's some now the ones being sent up, being conditioned to a point where they just do as yeah. they're told. Yeah. You know? So I don't think that. But as I say, this brings me on to my one niggle um, of this of this story, and it's been my main bugbear of the Cybermen since they were brought back in 2005. Okay, mm. as you say, when those Cybermen well, set the patients, let's call them the patients, um, come back up to, to take Bill down. Um, what's the, is it guy's name? George? What his name was? Was it George? The blue guy. Yeah, I can't remember. That. I think it was George, yeah. Um, he says, you know, you know, don't try and, because um, he tried to fight them off, but they were too strong. And he said, basically, they could sort of, you know, um, snap you in half. So basically, that they are now, got. I'm assuming now they've got robot arms or cyber, cyber, cyber arms and legs. Yeah. When you see Bill come out of that dark cupboard, she's making the stompy, clompy noises of the Age of Steel Cybermen. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because that particular type of there were more human underneath. They didn't make that noise, and I think that ruined it for me. That was the only thing that's, that, that sort of, it, I won't say ruined it, it, n- it niggled me, because it, it's niggled since it come uh. back, because the Cybermen were always... Um, sort of the silent killers weren't they yeah and then and I think we've, we spoke about this before anyway they seem to forget the, the fact they made a lot of noise when when the story suited when they might, might sort of yeah. come up behind someone silently um, but the rest of the time they're stomping and clomping about and this is what Bill Sarvman was doing and he well, did, didn't button, need it they could turn the sound off <laughs> <laughs> of course of course <laughs> I've explained it I don't know what you're worried about <laughs> But no, that was the only thing that sort of took me out of it because I don't like. I mean, it's that's my personal, um, my personal preference. Actually, it, I don't like the stompy, clompy aspect they've they've introduced to the Cybermen yeah. now. You know, so um, and as as I said um, when I did my video podcast thing on on Cybermen, um, I said you know the, the the one way to make Cybermen truly terrifying again was to take them back to the beginning when there was more something more human under there. Yeah. Um, and I, I personally feel I've been sort of indicated with that with that opinion because this episode has made the Cybermen scary again. Yeah, I, I really do think so. Um, what do you think about the last shot though of Bill under the under the mask? Um, 
mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I suppose. I like the fact that she's still there. Yeah. Bill is still under there. I think that... And, and it, sort of it screaming depends to, on... Or say screaming to get out, basically. On whether they are going to try and bring her back, or if she is now just... That is going to be it for her. I suppose they've left it there that there could be hope for her to be converted back. Maybe. I could probably see the Doctor going back in time on this one. Mm. I've got a funny feeling. but so It's got to be something to do with the um, time moving forward faster at the bottom of the ship than it is at the top. I reckon that's got to come into it somehow. Mm, maybe. Yeah, I reckon that's, that's, going to, that's going to play into it a bit more. But... Um, yeah, the only sort of thing I I sort of thought, how did that tear running down Bill's cheek manage to come out the face of the the, the face mask on the Cybermen? But um, and it, and I was going to say, is this what introduces the the teardrop? Yeah, um, onto oh, the Cybermen masks. I, 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 I think the visual the visuals of that was was to hint at that, wasn't it? Yeah, was, that, that's what's the, to come. Yeah, this is the tear and that. Yeah, um, I mean, I've had it said about the fact talking about the the early Cybermen stories mm. in the original series was the fact that in some of them you could actually see the eyes behind the mask. Well, you certainly in couldn't, that. you certainly couldn't the 10th planet. If you got the, if you yeah. catch the light, right. Um, yeah, you can see uh, their uh, eyes behind it, you know, and is this just, just Moffat trying to say, no, no, that was intentionally. <laughs> there are human. There are there is faces behind there. Well, as I said, it was. It, I mean, the whole stompy clompy thing was just a minor niggle, and that thing, I, the, the tear thing, I can sort of, sort of. I'm sort of thinking that you know, Bill crying is is what introduces the whole the the, the tear motif yeah. to the Simon's eye sockets. So, um, as I say, Moffat likes to explain the, the, the little everything. things, doesn't he? Yeah. Not every, I was say not everything, but the little things. I mean, I don't think anyone else is sort of wondering. Why, why, why was the little teardrop introduced to the Cybermen? Um, yeah, you know, so it, maybe this is what this is what introduced it. I, if that's what it is, I've got no problem with that. To be honest, I think it's, yeah. it's, it, it'll be a nice little last little move. But uh, I'm not going to say. And, and he does like explaining, and this is his last chance. Exactly. Yeah. And also, don't let's, let's not kill Bill. Come on, huh. let's not kill Bill. Um, just going back to going back almost really to the very beginning. Yeah. As the as we pan up the ship, mm. we get to see inside different levels. Yes. One of which is definitely looks like the wheat field. That Theresa May ran oh. through. Yeah, that Theresa May <laughs> ran through. <yes. laughs> and the next one was her giving a billion dollars to the DUP. No. <laughs> uh, no um, the looked like the wheat field from... Obviously, uh, whatever the story was called, now my brain's blanked on it. Uh, the first, the um, colony one. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Smile. I, smile, that's it. Thank you, thank that's you. Yes, thank yes. you. <laughs> I was going to get there eventually. <laughs> Looked like that wheat field where the TARDIS ended at, landed at one end and obviously the the city and the whatever was at the other. Yeah, and you sort of had almost like looks like the Scottish locks and hills and that in another one. Oh, so you saying they've been on the ship the whole time this series? So is this yeah a sense that has everything we've had taken part on that ship, 
Or is this just Moffat throwing a red herring in there Could to be. see how many people he makes think believes he can get <laughs> believing this week that oh yeah they're, they're, there's obviously something about the ship and that's they've always been on the ship. So I don't, I don't know which which view I take on that at the moment. Just that well, there might I, be something. I, I, what I you say I there, sir? I don't think it's accidental either way. No, no. I don't think they've just used a a, a picture, you know, or, or, or a bit of video of, of a wheat field or whatever. I think it's been done purposefully, and it's just whether it's been done purposely to throw a red herring, or that we are going to get some reference to. Well, we might do different levels. We might do because it looks. I mean, now, now, do we want to talk about the next time trailer or not? Um, I'd say not, in case some people have avoided it. Okay, I'd say I'd say let's let's steer clear of it because I think if um, if people are wanting to avoid spoilers for next week's episode, then fair play. And I I I, I don't think we want to spoil it for anybody, do we? No, no. I, I was I, all I would say is it looks like we might be working our way up through the ship. Yeah, like Bruce Lee in that in that uh, pagoda in the Game of Death. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I've only got one reservation about next week. Mm. Mm. The fact it is a two-parter. Yeah. And Doctor Who, since it came back, has a pretty poor track record of a decent two-part story. The first, and the first part's always been brilliant. The second part has not lived up to the first at all. And I'd always, and I've also said, we've also, I think, said many a time, the best episodes are the ones that have got the fewest and the tightest cast. Yes. And this had a tight cast, and it looks like we're going to get a bit more expansive. It does. It does look that way. But so let's let's so, hope they do this episode justice. Cause I think that will be the. Yeah. I think that's my biggest thing is, is to do this episode justice. Give it a decent payoff. Because otherwise, yes. this, this should have just been a standalone episode. If if they're gonna, you know, if yeah. if it gets ruined next week, but but time will tell. If we've got less than a week to find out, and and then that will be it. Doctor is over till Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So um, can't believe it. Can't believe it's already over. So or nearly already over. So um, so so any anything else to say on this one? Uh, no, I think that's covered most of what I was yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. Same here, same here. So um, so we're going to call it a day here then. So we'll be back next week then, slightly later than than um, than, than this week, probably like a day yeah, later. Because we're waiting for the results of Strictly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back with the Doctor Falls, the series finale. So finale, finale, whatever you want, yeah. you want to pronounce it. So, um, yeah, can't wait. I cannot wait. And let's hope they do this one justice, as we said. So... Let's end this here then. So until next week then, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Podcast. 
please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He Podcast Facebook group. The Who's He Podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.